Good morning. God bless you. Good morning. Good morning. Good to be in the house of the Lord, and uh, even uh, even though the fog isn't entirely cleared from my glasses, uh, I'll be illustrating my sermon today, so you'll find out. So it's good to be here. Take a few moments if there are any announcements that need to be made. Yes, Pastor. I yes. Need a, I need a shirt. Can everyone hear me? Okay. First of all, we will not start bell practice this Wednesday. I had to bump it back to the 20th. And then we will meet at 7.15. Okay, it's in your bulletin. So we'll start on the 20th and it'll be 7.15. The reason behind most of this is that my husband, as he broke the long week, but he helped me, he did. We have started work on the youth room down here, and it's going to become our music room. So we cleaned out one half of it. That's why you have the candles and everything back in the pews. They're not to be used just yet, but they're here. So we cleaned out one half. We're going to start painting. And I'm asking for help this morning after church. If there's a few able-bodied persons who could just help us move the bookcase away from the wall and the file cabinet away from the wall so we can start painting that side of the room. And uh, anybody who likes to paint, just let us know and we'll get going on it. But anyhow, we do need to move those objects so we can uh, start painting. So if anybody's available right after church, Dick says it isn't that heavy, let's he knows his business. That's Probably take about three minutes to do it. If, if we have several help, then just move it away from the wall. <laughs> so anyhow, so that was the main thing. Bell practice will start on the 20th, I believe that's right, the 20th and uh, 7.15, okay? All right, I think that's everything I had in mind, and just thank everyone. <laughs> and I, I am laughing at, at, as you announce all of that, um, because as I was uh, leaving the Wesley Church this morning, um, Andy said to me, hi Andy, he said, I think I would travel up in... Uh, uh, visit the Tyler Church. Uh, so, uh, with a friend of mine, and uh, they look like able-bodied men. I saw them uh, kind of... <laughs> so, Andy and your friend, we'd like to introduce you to the Tyler folks, and, uh, and so your friend is... Name's Chris. Chris. It's uh, Kathleen's grandson. Ah, okay. Wonderful. Well, terrific. God bless you. And uh, so on the count of three, all of you introduce your names to him. One, two, three. Bob. I know her. All right. Terrific. Is there anybody else that you got a chance? There's still a couple moments for any other announcements. Oh, I'm going to say this to put your heart at rest. Mm -hmm. I did. Have lots of trouble. Don't ask me why. I'm not computer savvy. 
Yes. I went to that site you told me, and all I got was videos. I got no printed music at all. Don't ask me. It just is the way it was. Pastor okay. is very computer yep. savvy. No, I'm not. I'm just I'm not. slightly savvy. So, last night I shot him a text and I said, I don't have this music, Pastor. You've got to bring copies. That's all there is to it. So then I didn't sleep thinking, oh my gosh, what if he didn't get my message? Blah, blah, blah. We'll so see. on the way in here, I said, okay, God, you're in charge. Not me. You're in charge. And I have to say this with the biggest blessing in my heart. That young man back there, Jake Palmer, he said, I don't have any of this stuff either. And so we thought, we're in great shape this morning. But praise the Lord, Jake got busy looking and he found it, Pastor. Wonderful. Good. So we're ready to go. Oh, isn't that awesome? Wow. Things come together. This, you're illustrating the message. By the time we get to the sermon, I won't have anything to preach. So, um, <laughs> all right. And if you say it's the wrong songs, you just go with it. Oh, that's, I'm, I am going to do that, sure. Um, I'll get Andy and Chris to nod and say, yeah, that's exactly what we had. <laughs> they'll, they'll go along with it. All right. Uh, let's... Um, uh, let's turn to our uh, call to worship, uh, followed by our responsive reading. Let's join in the responsive reading. I relieved his shoulder of the burden. His hands were freed from the from the bracket. You called me in trouble, and I answered you. I answered you in the mighty place of thunder. I proved you at the waters of Meribah. Hear, O my people, and I will admonish you. O Israel, if you would listen to me, let there be no strange God among you, nor shall you worship any foreign God. I, the Lord, am your God, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. Amen. Let's stand and worship the Lord.
Amen. While you're still standing, just turn to those around you and say, God loves you. God blesses you. And I'm so glad you're here. All right, you may be seated. Um, rejoice in Him, though. Rejoice, rejoice in Him. Uh, we just sang about it. He loves us so much. Doesn't that thrill your heart? Um, doesn't that kind of blow you away with just a, a sense of awe? It's just like, I can't even, that, that's so big, I can't get my arms around it. I cannot, I cannot grasp the fullness of that. Uh, and I, I, I struggle to understand the measure of who God is, but if I could understand the measure of who God is, then God wouldn't be very big, would he? But he's so big, I, I, can't, I can't get it all. I can't get it. Uh, <laughs> thank God I can't. He's that big. He's that wonderful. Hallelujah. Uh, he's uh, worthy and deserving of our worship uh, as we come to him. All right, let's um, take a few moments as we uh, order ourselves to his purposes and uh, we give ourselves to prayer. Um, I do want to say the uh, altar is always open. Um, you don't ever even have to have a special reason to come to the altar and kneel and pray. Uh, uh, you don't have to have even a great burden on your heart. Uh, sometimes it's just an exercise of, uh, I'm going to just come on down and, and pray. And uh, so it's always open. And again, I always know that knees don't always bend for everybody the same way. And so sometimes your altar is the front pew. Sometimes your altar is just where you are. All right. But I do want to say that the, uh, the altar is always open. There's no lock and key on it, no chain, no nothing that we have to, at the beginning of the, the day, we have to kind of take all this rattling stuff off. And uh, now you're welcome to come. Uh, we, you know, it's, you're always welcome. All right. And so if there's a, a reason or no special reason at all, you're welcome to, uh, to come and pray at the altar. Um, let's uh, take a few moments. What are our joys today? Who's got a joy they'd like to start us off with? Yes, yeah, Nancy. I, I don't know. Um, yesterday was the birthday of a very special lady. She brought a man into my life just by giving birth to him. He is gone now. He has attended this church. It was Ron Hill. And he was the pastor who married my husband and I back then years ago in Carroll. And she celebrated her 103rd birthday yesterday. Wow. And so I wanted to mention her and say praise the Lord and just for bringing her into being because she was a very special lady. All right. Wonderful. Uh, any of you knew Ron, little Ron, I mean... <laughs> What a, what a des delightful soul. Uh, by himself, he could keep the whole annual conference in stitches. Uh, and uh, so anyone who helped cause him to come into being. Yeah, wonderful. All right. Who's next? Who else has a joy? I know there have got to be a few. Just a, just a joy mm -hmm. that I'm getting started on that room. Yeah. We will have a music room. Amen. Amen. We all fit. <laughs> <laughs> Hope we all fit. <laughs> we will. We'll work it out, man. 
think it'll be a problem. All right. Terrific. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I have a good day to be able to um, take our uh, lunch out and uh, commune with the geese. We didn't have to even share our lunch with the geese, but we, well, this week we had a chance to go out there and it was just a uh, delightful chance to, to, to be out there. Um, and uh, those of you who don't know uh, all my background, when I was a little kid, or I was even a teenager, I was uh, took over my grandfather's flock of chickens, and I ended up having about over 200 head of poultry, different kinds, ducks, geese, turkeys, guineas, just all kinds of stuff, and a uh, bunch of laying hens, just, uh, so that's a world that I just, I relished. And I have a place like that that I don't have to take care of, and shovel out the manure at the end of the season and all that. It's, it's kind of nice to enjoy someone else's work like that. So, uh, so we had a, you know, thank the Lord for those. All right. All right, let's uh, remember our prayer concerns. What would they be this morning? Yes, uh, please. On behalf of all members of Tyler Church, past and present, we'll uh, lead our concerns and prayers for our nation this week. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Got a lot of reason. We, boy, that uh, sure touches a, a nerve. We uh, had, uh, I know several were touched with that same concern uh, to pray for our nation. And uh, been a burden on my heart um, that uh, sometimes we question um, those whether they're doing right or wrong. And sometimes we're the last to know because it's hard to tell which mischief is being said on one side or the other. And, uh, and uh, Andy heard this already this morning. I, um, the one thing I'm certain of is if we had a chance to talk to our legislators of any brand or stripe and just tell them, be careful, history will remember you. Do you want your grandchildren to find out that you are a participant in whatever scandal of the day? Uh, be careful, make sure you're doing what's right and not what's convenient for your party because history will remember you. God certainly will. God certainly will. And uh, he'll remember you whether you believe in him or not. Now I'll get, uh, I'll just, uh, there are a lot of things we can say and we can do it in a spirit of grace, in a spirit of firmness, um, but there are a lot of things we ought to say on our knees. Um, so thank you for your registering that uh, concern for us. All right. What other prayer concerns? I have an update and a concern at the same time. So I'll say as a joy, Debbie, my neighbor, is cancer-free still. As a concern for her, her lungs have been damaged by the cancer and the treatments. So continued prayer for her for the, the lung, for her to be able to learn to deal with the disability of her lungs. Mm -hmm. And um, the other concern is that Sigler's family. Yes, yes. Yeah, I know a lot of people were touched by her. She was a special lady. Okay. Other prayer concerns? 
It's going to understand what her Pev's, uh, the uh, gravesite is uh, tomorrow at 2, 2.15. It's just, the, the timing, timing is just uh, a little bit indistinct. I guess it depends on the, the how long the private service goes, but to anticipate the, uh, when the uh, gravesite is going to be, just uh, go early and wait. Uh, so, okay. Anybody else? Any other prayer concerns? Okay, we always have spiritual opportunities, our joys and concerns and our spiritual opportunities. What are our opportunities to trust in the Lord, to grow in the Lord? Uh, our kind of a spiritual opportunity, one is that's already being acted upon, is the music room and the need for volunteers uh, right on the moment. And... Uh, and it'll be a brief opportunity to, to be involved. But uh, you know, along with that, I think there's some other spiritual opportunities. What spiritual opportunities we have for, for growth, uh, spiritual growth or otherwise? <coughs> All right. Last, uh, last several weeks, I've, uh, I've always been uh, alert to just asking us to remember to pray for missionaries, pray for... God to move on the hearts of people to call a new generation of uh, preachers, people to enter the ministry. And uh, and today I think that uh, just trusting that the Lord will put on you, a spirit on you. There's someone else, some other group we ought to be praying for. Um, someone who uh, needs to step up and do something else. Is anyone sensing something else that we ought to be uh, alert to? Okay, so maybe a, a new Washington, D.C. That's, uh, think of that. All right. All right, again, uh, how many of you know some uh, folks who just, they just don't know Jesus? We want to trust the Lord that they'll come to know Jesus as their personal Savior. So if you just raise your hand and indicate that. Yeah. All right. All right, I'll turn to our prayer course. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, right now we just pray that you hear us as we quiet our souls and quiet our spirits before you and to make this place an altar that's fitting for you. Hear us while we pray to you. Our gracious Father, we thank you for your word. It reveals the truth. Your word reminds us better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. A neighbor who is near can tend to our needs, alert us to problems and issues and dangers and warnings. Sometimes can even provide companionship when a brother is far away. But in Jesus, our greater brother, he is one who is both far away and near at the same time and has come to be taken up residence in our hearts. We thank you. We don't have to shout ever to get his attention. He's here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We are grateful for the uh, blessing of this week. We thank you for how you've brought sunshine to us. And thank you how sunshine has come to us in circumstances. Thank you how you uh, bless us and remind us of a charitable soul and the one who gave him to us. Um, thank you for our thoughts and memories of Ron Hill, but we also thank you for the one who is celebrating her 103rd birthday. Wow. We're grateful for that. We uh, also thank you how Music Room uh, appears to be coming together. You know, things are being ordered. And uh, you're preparing the help for it. You're preparing the materials and supply. So we uh, pray that you uh, will continue superintending over it as you've uh, orchestrated these things. We, we just admit to you that, uh, that you're doing well, that you've thought ahead of us, uh, farther ahead than we could. Thank you for your creatures that you put on earth that we gain a lot of enjoyment from. I thank you for their beauty, their elegance. Thank you for geese and swans and ducks and all the things like that that are in the park that uh, fascinate kids and adults alike. But thank you for a dear friend, Debbie, who is cancer-free. How, how reassuring that is, not just to her, but to us. I mean, we... We hear something like that and we, we just uh, marvel over it. We wonder at it. It makes us feel good. Now we pray for her lungs. Oh, Father, help her. The things that were damaged, can you put those together for her? Will you? Uh, we know you're capable of it. We ask you if it's your will, do so for her. 
We pray for the family of Bev Sigler. So many good memories of her. Such an example she was to so many. And how because of her, you know, a lot of things are different for the better. And so we pray, our Father, take and use her, memory of her, even today. Use that and spread it around. We pray for our country. Dear Father, so many things that just become mishmash and confusing, so much it seems hard to trust. But it is the country we live in. It's a country that has had a good and noble history. It's a country that has made mistakes and bounced back from it. It's a country that's had humility of all things. It's a country that knew that when times were tough, they needed to be down on their knees and seeking you. How many times presidents and Congress have ordered a national day of prayer? More than just a, an annual event called a national day of prayer where we're good at making an event. Maybe not necessarily making prayer, but we seem to know how to make events. Oh, Father, rather than being busy making events, help us to make prayer. We pray that those who are in power will come to know that they're really not in power. They think they are, but they're pretenders. They'll be making fools of themselves and they'll know it one day. But if they only come to understand that power comes from you. Oh, Father, how they're misusing their actions. We pray for the few dear souls who could be counted on to at least be trying to do their what's right, trying to do what's best in their heart of hearts, hoping that they're not wrong, and but humility. As for the rest, our Father, And in as much as we might be part of the problems ourselves, being too much of cheerleaders for just earthly actions, O oh, Father, send a spirit of repentance upon this land. Spirit of repentance that would precede and help us to avoid a spirit of judgment that would most certainly come. Oh, Father, like King David, who would prefer to have judgment from you rather than the hands of man, knowing that your judgment is right. But, oh, Father, if we'd never commit the act that we'd need the repentance of, we come to you. We pray in this new generation that you'll raise up those who would be servants of yours. Be diligent about the things of the kingdom. To be considering those whose lives would be in great peril. 
without ordering their lives after you, without seeking your will, without seeking your word, without seeking uh, redemption, spiritual salvation that comes through the cross of Jesus. Oh, Father, what peril. But a new generation of leaders would know how to put out the call of repentance to friends and neighbors and strangers alike. Hear us while we pray. Father, we come to you in this service. We pray not just for ourselves, but those who are here. We pray for others who are maybe still just a little peevish, cautious, overly cautious, maybe, doubting that it's even possible to gather safely in public. We pray, Father, may your will prevail upon them that they would come to find out what's happened before can happen again. We've lived safely in a world of danger and brought us through. We've been taught how to be careful, but none of these precautions can really keep us safe. Father, we pray, reach out to this land of ours, beyond just those who have gathered here this day, reach out to this land of ours, call people back into your house of worship, that they would no longer have their own safety in mind, but your holiness in mind, that they'd come to worship you as if their lives depend upon it, because they, it does depend upon you. Holy are you. We worship you. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Our scripture lesson this morning is from Psalm 40. We continue in a series, friends, but uh, considering the new songs of the Bible, considering that call that God has upon us, that as we worship him, part of our worship is aimed at the instrument of new songs. All right, listen to the word of the Lord. Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now wait just a minute. Seems like there's always something like that intruding our lives at every moment. There's always something trying to get into our heads. Don't we find that to be the case? And one of these things, you know, like the greatest modern pieces of convenience is also one of the greatest 
modern pieces of inconvenience in how it seeks our control. Every minute there's something trying to get in our head. Wouldn't you like to have control over that? See that it doesn't? Be a little bit more in charge of what's allowed to get into your head? Oh, if there was a way to cut through the distractions. Every minute on the news we're confronted with what seems to be almost um, a Hollywood-created news disaster report that this single new thing promises to be the end of the world. Don't touch that dial. You need to know. Every moment. I mean, times past, times present, time future, we're, we're apt to hear over and over again the coming economic earthquake, the social tsunami, uh, TikTok torpedo, toxic waste of tidal waves. I mean, we got a, a storm, uh, uh, we have a, a stock storm heading uh, to be for financial collapse. We've got a Hollywood hurricane, a technology tornado. Surprised we haven't had a, uh, uh, the, the, the Dow Jones Dutch rub uh, being promised to come our way. Or the noogie noogie of neocons ready to get after us. I mean, I mean it's just it's, it's endless. It's endless. The number of things that keep barraging us with this uh, distraction. Uh, everything's a promotion. Everything is a demand for the commitment of our own sole allegiance toward the right outcome of the latest disaster du jour. Um, In the midst of that, who could possibly have time for God? Well, if we measure all that up, our attitude should be, who wouldn't have time for God? if we've got that many disasters on the way. Let's get on our knees and hurry up. If one-tenth of what they're saying that's flying in our face at all times was true, we'd have enough reason to be urgent about God's answer for it. But how can we do that? We just keep having check in well, how's this thing coming? How's that thing turning out? What's the latest? What's the latest? But is there an answer? You know, King David had a problem that was uh, facing him. He was facing it. In the second verse, he describes it he, in very much in general terms. We have no clear idea what he was saying in in, uh, verse 2, but he describes it as that God brought him out from it. He said, he brought me out of the pit of destruction and out of the miry clay. Now the wording is uh, rather unnatural and uh, the, the wording is actually kind of beyond what we think could even be a possibility there's so many things that are almost like a contradiction, contradiction in the in, in this description. Um, 
And uh, one way you can look at that is just to see how those uh, words and phrases are translated in other translations. Various translations describe it as a pit of confusion or a pit of despair or destruction or misery or a horrible pit, a desolate pit, a pit of misery, a tumultuous pit or a watery pit. It's hard to find a, a common denominator in all of that. It just sounds like a wild uh, hodgepodge of, of uh, things to avoid. And it is. Um, the, the, the idea of the pit is certainly something that's bored down into the earth or something that's dungeon-like, created uh, to be uh, something of a, a, an inescapable trap. Horrible, noise-filled, something of a rushing, swirling going on with this. Um, and But being a, a, a pit, it would be dark. That would be a certainty. The idea of a miry clay, a boggy bottom, mucky, miry. I mean, I remember as a kid uh, you going out and swimming in a bunch of different ponds before. You ever get into a pond that you put your feet down and just goes squish? Oh. You reach down and it's blacky. Yeah. And it's, oh, how do I get that off my hands? And it's like years and years of leafy decay, all this stuff. And, uh, well, it's, it's that times a hundred or more. I don't know. This is this miry pit, this, this, uh, but the, the, the whole idea of it, the Hebrew suggests uh, all of this kind of a description, um, but it also conveys the idea of an effervescing going on in this. So it's not just a static thing that's fixed, but there's this effervescing thing going on. It even describes it as a, a bit of an, an, an intoxicating kind of a swirling uh, mass of what's there. Um, so you almost get the picture of this bubbling quicksand that if you've been thrown into it, now you're stuck in it and you don't know what to do. Moving just causes you to be driven deeper into it. Not moving, you seem like the body weight is causing you a gravity to kind of keep falling into it. You dare not stick your hand out of it to be able to reach for help because the motion of that would put you even a little bit deeper. But even putting your hand up in the air in the darkness of where you are, no one would see you. What do you do? How can you, how can you find something to settle your soul in, in, a, in a swirling, bubbling mess like that where not only are you in it, but you're stuck in it? It won't let you go. You could cry. Yeah, you could cry. You could, you could certainly cry. You could cry because crying won't make you sink deeper in. You could just cry and be there. What does David do? Does he cry? No, he doesn't cry. Uh, does he do something? Yes, he does. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. But let me ask you about you. Your own circumstances right where you are. Do you know people who seem stuck like that? 
Maybe you feel a little stuck like that. Maybe in a place that's half as severe as that, that'd be bad enough. But do you feel stuck uh, in your circumstance? In Australia, Christian churches feel stuck. They will soon be facing the penalties for committing acts of, well, Christianity. Let me explain. There's a new bill going through Parliament in Victoria that will make illegal the practice called conversion therapy. What's conversion therapy? Well, it's something that happens when someone who's in the homosexual movement, lesbian, gay, whatever they are, they come to Christ and they see to forsake their past and forsake their practices of that, that's conversion therapy. Folks in the uh, homosexual movement say, well, we can't have that. They're taking friends of ours out of the, out of the movement, out of the cause. And so there's a bill in Congress that's making that illegal. You convert someone who's gay, you have fines, possibly jail time. Catholics will uh, be toughing it out for the next 15 months. The Pope has called their community to reflect on a document that he wrote some time ago called the Amoris Laetitia, innocently translated, the joy of love. Well, what kind of love? Well, the Amoris Laetitia, 15 months, he's called the Catholics to rethink their faith and to concentrate on such elements like one, living according to the gospel may be impossible for some people. Number two, he says, no one is condemned to hell. Number three, he says, it's possible to break from revealed morality without being in the state of mortal sin. Number four, it's possible to sin by obeying the divine law. Number five, sexual sins forbidden in the gospel can now be commanded by God. And so on. That's what his document says. Catholic people around the world are frustrated at turning their faith upside down and shaking everything out that used to be called sacred. So, past week, I know many of you heard about the prayer, right? The prayer. Uh, representative in a week when they were uh, talking about language and how to change language because language is, is so offensive uh, anymore. The whole idea of calling someone aunt or uncle or some, calling someone brother or sister is, uh, is, is committing all kinds of uh, uh, social offenses uh, and uh, it's like a gender offense. So they want to get rid of those kinds of terms. And so the representative Emmanuel Cleaver closed in prayer 
in the name of the monotheistic, monotheistic God Brahma and the God known by many names and many different faiths, Amen and a woman. That prayer. You've heard that prayer. And all the news about how he said amen and a woman, fixing on that part, and uh, not much attention to the fact that he cited a prayer to the monotheistic, monotheistic God and Brahma, and the Brahma has nothing to do with monotheism. They have, they believe in thousands of gods. Um, and uh, but here's this uh, tipping of the hat to kind of a universalism that everything is true and nothing is false. And uh, so, what do you do with Jesus Christ, who says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life"? And the news was very careful to report that Emmanuel Cleaver is a Methodist minister. Might I say to you, he's no Methodist in my book. To be able to get God wrong, how could he? Anyhow, all these things today are coming at the church and they're targeting the church and they're confronting the church and saying, you can't be who you are anymore. And it's putting us in the pit of destruction because there's no way to move without feeling like we're sinking deeper. And if we concede, we sink deeper. And if we struggle to get out, it seems like we're sinking deeper. And what do we do? What did David do? Well, the three verses here are not in chronological order. In a sense, verse two happened first, but it was talked about second. It's the thing to have first. He says he brought me up, he got put into the pit of destruction, the miry clay, and what did he do about that? He did verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined to me and heard my cry. I waited patiently. What do you do sometimes when it seems like there's nothing you can do? You wait patiently. You wait patiently. What could David do? He didn't have his sword with him. If he did, it would have weighted him down. He didn't have a slingshot. What could he have fired it at? He didn't have his generals with him. He didn't have anything he could command or do. Verse 1 just says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Something he knows how to do. If we go to Psalm 62, verse 1 and 2, it says, My soul waits in silence for God only. From him is my salvation. He is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken, he says. The Hebrew idea of uh, waiting patiently doesn't simply mean to just sit idly. It's the word kava. 
Yes, it does mean to expect, to look for, to anticipate. Sure, it means all those. But it's more than this passive idea of just sitting there waiting. Uh, the Hebrew word means binding together, perhaps by twisting. Binding together or gathering together. And, and so while the circumstances are not what we want them to be, what are we doing? We're gathering together the kind of stuff, the kind of fortitude, the kind of whatever that can lead to a solution. And if the fortitude and if the, 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 uh, the, the solutions aren't in us, then we gather the things that are outside of us. And if the only thing we can gather is God, we gather God. Amen. We gather him. We bind him together in us because he's the answer. Well, let me ask you a question. Uh, if my soul waits silent for God, that requires being patient. Does a king ever have to be patient? Can't a king just snap his fingers and say, I want the answer now or off with your heads? King can say that. But David's not like every king. He's different. David knows who the king is. And he is a servant of that king. And if David, who is a king, could wait patiently for the Lord, then we who aren't kings ought all the more be like King David and be willing to wait patiently, binding together what God promises to be our answer, waiting patiently for him. And so, yes, Psalm 62 said, my soul waits in silence for God only. From him is my salvation. He is my rock and my salvation. None of these words are accidental. They're not just kind of thrown in there to sound holy and good. Um, uh, but uh, David says, right at that moment, my soul does wait. It, my soul waits in silence for him. But from verse 1 to verse 5, uh, it seems like nothing happened. That David didn't get his answer. Because in chapter 62, from verse 1 to verse 5, he prays the same prayer again all over, almost the same way. Except for there's a little difference. It's almost identical. In, in verse 1 he says, my soul waits in silence. But in verse 5 he says, my soul wait in silence for God. And it's not just my soul wait. It's almost like saying, there's a soul. It's saying, my soul wait, wait, wait for God. Come on, boy. whoa, boy, patient, whoa, boy, wait. Wait. It's almost like he's outside of himself, speaking to his soul on a leash and saying, Good boy, wait now, wait. And uh, because he started growing impatient. From verse 1, the prayer wasn't answered. By the time, however long it took, to verse 5, it's still not answered. He's growing impatient and he's recognizing that he's starting to lean away from his trust on God. And he's saying, ah, wait, wait in the Lord. Wait in the Lord. Has that ever happened to any of you here? Where you're trusting in the Lord for something and after a while you think you better help him out. 
And how does that ever work for you? A woman uh, was observing a potter working on his pottery wheel in shaping the clay, the massive clay. Then she noticed down at his feet, one foot was in place and the other was uh, kicking uh, at the wheel below, making the pottery wheel spin. And so that foot was just working and working. And after a while, she said to the potter, said, boy, that, 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 that foot must be getting tired. And he said, no, no, not that foot. That's not the one that's getting tired. The one that's holding its place is the one that's getting tired. Friends, sometimes when we get tired, waiting in place, waiting in place, and we think we ought to be out doing something. He set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. Notice when we get to the end of verse 2 and, and, and David says what God did to him, he was stuck in this miry clay, he was stuck in no way out. His feet could reach down to the bottom of where he was and there was nothing to step on because it was quicksandy, effervescency, kind of gooey, bloody stuff. And he just couldn't feel the bottom and knew there was no bottom there, that it would all soon be his end if nothing didn't happen soon. And, and then it says God took him from that and uh, placed his feet on solid rock. Nowhere in there does it say anything about illumination. Nowhere in there does it talk about light. He was in a dark pit. Uh, he couldn't see anything. And he could, he could reach for help, but couldn't see if there was anybody there. But in that darkness, it says, God put him on solid rock. Doesn't even say that God took me out of this dark pit and put me in a place that was flooded with sunshine doesn't say anything about sunshine. The only thing it says that David could experience that his feet were his only perceptive part of his body that he took David and landed him on rock and when his feet landed on the rock he recognized that what his eyes could not see his feet could feel and that his feet said to his eyes I can see that we're safe now. We're on solid ground. Our eyes, I can see what has happened. God has put me in a safe place. We're okay. We're free. And when your feet become, becomes your sensory organ, what an incredible experience that has become. And when you're free and you know it, the eyes aren't the only thing that gets the message. The heart's the other thing that gets the message. Something begins to fill in that spot Sometimes we hear about people who get the diagnosis of an enlarged heart. Sometimes it's a good thing. And it happens spiritually. My feet are on solid rock. 
My heart is swelling with security that God has done this. My soul is beginning to feel filled like a balloon that's about to burst and something wants to cry out with joy. Verse 3 says, he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. He put a new song in my mouth. Some people today find it just difficult that God would be able to do anything like that in them. How, how can God communicate? How can God put anything in, in me? Why would he put anything in me? I, I just can't imagine. But you know, God is the kind of person who puts things in us. Christianity is all about what God does internally in us, from the inside out. That's the way he works. Mrs. M. McKelvey wrote of the work of music in India as a mission work. She labored hard in her mission work trying to do what we've learned to do. Sometimes you take secular music and put Christian words to it and you give it to the masses. They know the old tune and they sing the new words and they sing the Christian music. So she found this one old Punjabi, Punjabi uh, uh, music that fit well with these Christian words, beautiful tune. And she thought she had a match until uh, a blind pastor poet came to her and cautioned her. That's a beautiful tune to me. He said, very beautiful tune, but I wish you wouldn't use it because I remember the old vile words that would go with it. He said, wait, daughter, young India everywhere is singing Christian songs and forgetting much of the vileness of the old days. He said, your children will be able to use this beautiful tune with words just as beautiful and with not fear of recalling the shameful things, but not yet. Not yet. In other words, wait till they forget for a new generation. Then they can use that tune. Patience, wait. Sometimes we have to wait. For when that day comes, the song will come. The song will come. John Wesley's father, Samuel, asked his wife one day about her, her patience. How could you have the patience that you do with that? He said, you, you, could have, you could have the patience. How could you have the patience to tell that blockhead the same things 20 times over? Speaking of John, Susanna Wesley answered her husband and said, why, if I would have told him 19 times and quit, I would have lost all my labor. <laughs> if you've been waiting on something, keep at it. Don't quit yet. Because he wants to put a new song in your mouth. Song of praise to our God. You might say, well, I'm not real good at verse. No, it might not be, but he is. He's good at verse. I dare say God's probably done that to you already. He's done something like that for you. God's good at putting things in us, putting answers in us. Uh, again, our call of worship uh, says, I am I, the Lord, am your God who brought you out from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. 
something that God does. He puts things in us. Uh, we remember what, uh, what Jesus said in Luke 21, verse 13, 14, 15. He says that uh, in the days where you might get arrested for your faith, it says it will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. So make up your minds not to prepare beforehand to defend yourselves, for I will give you utterance and wisdom which none of your opponents will be able to resist or refute. In other words, what? God is real good at putting stuff in our mouths that we could never put there ourselves. So a new song of praise to our God, out with us easy. He can do that. I'm not clever enough to figure out how to put a song like that <coughs> together, but God is. Worship. Worship is both outgoing and incoming. <laughs> Sometimes God has to put it in us before we can put it out. And that's all right. That's all right. But why would, I'm going to try to close with this. Why would God, why would God want to give us a new song? Song of praise. Why would he do that? Verse 3 finishes up. It says this. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. So what do you think? Well, yeah, why this new song? It's tough learning a new song. How can we have the time? How can we get good enough to learn a new song? Well, it may not just be for us. It may be for others. Others will gain when a new song bursts out of our hearts and we learn to sing it. A judge was uh, waiting to try the case of 30, 30 criminals, drunken Criminals in a San Francisco courtroom. And while he's getting ready to do that, he came in, took his place, and got cases lined up before him, got ready to try them, you know, one, two, three, four, in order. He was looking at uh, his roster, and, and um, all of a sudden there was a voice came out and started singing a song. Last night as I lay sleeping, there came a dream so fair. I stood in old Jerusalem, Beside the temple there, I heard the children singing, and ever as they sang, as methought the voice of angels from heaven in answer rang, methought the voice of angels from heaven in answer rang. And as the judge Heard the singing. He couldn't help but notice all throughout the courtroom, everything got silent. Everything got silent. And as he tried looking for the one who was singing, he finally fought, saw the one. But he also noticed from person to person, there were some who dropped to their knees. There were others who began sobbing. At the words, there was one who buried his facing his hands and just confessing, oh, mother, mother, what have I done, oh, mother? Jerusalem, Jerusalem, lift up your gates and sing, Hosanna in the heart. Hosanna 
in that moment that the judge decided the testimony of the court was already there before him. He could see it on every eye. He decided instead of trying each case one at a time to try all 30 of them in the same moment, the witness was in front of him, the contrition was in front of him, and he decided right there and then to dismiss every case. A new song in our hearts, a new song in our mouths, many will see and fear. Our worship can do that. Our worship can do that. Believe it, friends. Believe it. Let's sing. Will you stand? Benediction. Now, 
might it be already as if uh, some of you have felt the threat of despair, and it's been lifted. Some of you have felt the threat of despair for someone who is dear to you. You're not sure in them if it's been lifted, <laughs> but you know that it can. He can put a new song in our mouths. That's certain. That's certain. He does it all the time on Sunday mornings. We pick out a new song. We try it. We learn to wear it like a new garment. It feels good. He does it all the time. He promises to do that for us. It doesn't even have to be on a Sunday morning. God Almighty. It's coming. Hear it? <laughs> yeah, already. It work. It comes just as easy as that. Uh, maybe by next week, several of us will have that experience. Sometimes that song is an inexpressible, like Romans eight twenty six, that tells us that some of his consolations are like the Spirit's groanings, too deep for words. And so the song wants to come out, but we don't know, but it's inexpressible, but we know it's there. God put it in there. It, it is bursting from us. Maybe by next week, several of us will have had that experience, but that all of us will be confident that God desires that inside work in each and every one of us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.